0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Kickstart your adventure now with a new good golf cart from Country Carts of Brookhaven. Good golf carts are assembled right here in Mississippi with the best features around and best of all they're street legal. Country Carts of Brookhaven 401 Highway 51 South, phone
1: 601-748-0454. What's up on a Wednesday. I'm Brian Scott rippy my co-conspirators always is Michael Borky, we appreciate you joining us on this February 18th, 19th, something like that edition of the Rebel Report podcast. We don't have anything to talk about today, so I, uh, this podcast is over. Go see Greg at LB's and send me your mail back Friday questions. Uh, see you today after this afternoon, Borky. Oh, wait. What? <laughs> I, uh, this is one of those days. They had baseball canceled yesterday. The basketball canceled. Like, the basketball was kind of boring. I guess it wasn't technically canceled. <laughs> so I uh, <laughs> called you before we started recording. Is like, what the hell are we gonna talk about? No, the podcast is not actually over. I just thought I might try to pull a fast one on somebody. Fair but, See, uh, I was like.
0: Yeah. I don't tune you out when you're doing the introduction. I mean, it's your podcast. So you do the intro, but I, I kind of know what you're going to say. So I just like wait until you throw it in my direction. And so I wasn't like 100%
1: locked in. <laughs> I was just like, oh, Okay. <laughs> you got to stay locked in. You never know what you're going to get. Um, oh, but yeah, where do where should we start today? I mean, obviously no baseball game to be had.
0: Because, you know, they played a game, but we don't have to spend too much time on it. It's pretty simple. Um, Tyree was very good, good as he so Tyree has had a scoring output in the last five games that is higher than anybody in the SEC in the, at least 10 years so he's been phenomenal but when Schuler goes 0 of 7 from the field and has one um, you're probably not going to win so that's and it, it we'll get to the more nuances of the game about how bad they are uh, in execution, they're 1 in 6 now in close games um, Last night was a reason for that.
1: Like there, that was a test-week example as to why was it not. Absolutely,
0: but it, from the the big picture, the grand scheme, if you're getting zero of seven shooting from Devontae Shuler, you're probably not going to win the game. As good as Tyree was, uh, Hadim C was again uh, who you thought he was going to be. Buffin was fine, but but that's it, you know. And you're never going to win a game when your other two guards have a combined eight points. It's just not going to happen.
1: Yeah, I agree, and I'll be 100% honest on this one. I had a crap load of laundry to do last night. It was one, I'm usually pretty good about doing it, but it was one of those things where the last couple of weeks it just kind of like piled up. So I would say for the first 35 minutes of this game, I was watching but not 100% locked in the whole time. And it was a weird game because, unless I'm mistaken, the game never got past, like, five, six points either way. Missouri may have gotten up eight or nine at one point. Missouri
0: almost. had a ten-point lead in the second half, I know for sure.
1: Yeah, and Ole Miss rattled off, like, nine or ten in a row after that. It went on a 12, high, right? it was,
0: Yeah, it was, like, at by-
1: that 55-46 range, something like that. I remember that. But, like, most of the game, it was just fairly boring. Like, the first half, Ole Miss kind of stayed at arm's length, three-, four-, five-point game. It wasn't necessarily pretty basketball. I uh an awful I called ben, Yeah, I called Ben Garrett to ask about something uh, about half – maybe it was right at the end of the first half. And I was like, are you as, like, bored watching this as I am? This is terrible. And, and like, I don't even necessarily – it speaks to the college basketball product thing that we've talked about before. It's just two really bland basketball teams playing – I mean, you could really fast-forward through the first 40 minutes of this game, and honestly, I thought the entire game was kind of summed up in the last 90 seconds. But, like, I guess we'll go here. We'll talk about who disappeared and who not in just a second. But, like, this is the second game in a row where the last 90 seconds of the game have just been awful. Like, Ole Miss, it was a, it was a tie game at 63. And so, like, the three, four most important possessions of the game are coming. And Ole Miss, instead of making – I mean, you hear – I think it sounds stupid when coaches say make winning plays sometimes, but I get what they're saying. Instead, Ole Miss went C foul near the baseline – or excuse me, near the sideline and uh, the baseline. It was absolutely Tyree. the right
0: call for whatever it's worth.
1: Yeah, I don't necessarily blame him as much as that one. I thought he was playing decent defense and just kind of got into the guy a little bit. Like, it's yeah, a frustrating and that happens call. in basketball games. Yeah, but then you compound that. You, they make the two free throws. You compound that with a Tyree turnover, and then you're fine. You're down two and 45 seconds left, and K.J. Buffin, which if you'd have had me at Ole Miss foul bingo, I would have definitely guessed him. Uh, just an unnecessarily foul, unnecessary foul on in the inbounds pass. And like, he kind of shoves the guy down and then puts his hands up like, I didn't touch him. And, like, Kermit's not even lobbying for the call on his behalf. He's just ripping into Buffin because it happened right in front of him. Just, I mean – Three, like, you know, most in crucial minutes of the game, 90 seconds, three possessions, and you, you didn't get a shot.
0: Yeah. And I, tell me if you see the same thing. I think, as good as Tyree is, and he's extremely good, I mean, like I said, nobody has scored uh, to the output that he has in recent games in at least 10 years. So he's been excellent. But towards the end of games, it feels like he presses because, in a way, he knows that. Nobody else is making the play that he has to, but I think that leads to like mental mistakes, dribbling the ball off of his own foot when driving to the basket, missing the front end of a couple of one-and-ones in Lexington, things like that that are out of character for him through the course of a game. But when it comes down to crunch time, knowing that he's the only one that's going to make the, as you said, winning play, it feels like he kind of presses in those moments and then makes out-of-character mistakes.
1: I agree. Richard actually texted me something similar along those lines last night. And it's like, yeah, he does. Oh, oh yeah. he can respond to text messages. That's amazing. He's, uh, he's, uh, I didn't listen to this. I appreciate you responding to me last night. <laughs> yeah, maybe he's just selective about it. But I, I, yeah, I kind of agree. But it's, it's one of those deals where I think it's kind of complex as to why. Because you go back to last year, he was really just kind of asked to score. Like, he wasn't – he wasn't had a ton of responsibility. Like, you had Terrence Davis out there. They were, in my opinion, a better defensive team a year ago. Like, he just wasn't asked to, like, make other guys better. And he's got – I think he's gotten a little bit better at that down the stretch this year. And it probably helps when you're scoring out of your mind. So, that's a different role for him. And I think he presses in the last couple minutes because he's used to doing it by himself, like you said. But to me, it's probably a hell of a lot harder to play well in crunch time when you're playing 39 to 40 minutes a night. Like, oh, he's yeah. sitting on the bench for 60 seconds tops a night. At some point, I get he's in great shape. I get he's in college. Kermit doesn't – we asked Kermit about the freshman wall last year with Buffett and uh, T- I mean, Buffett and Henson, and he hated that. He was like, that's dumb. but Yeah, but, they're playing two point, games a week, man. Like <laughs> – Yeah, but at a certain point, to me, just throughout the course of the game, if you're playing 39 minutes a night and not resting at all, to me, it probably is harder to play well in the last couple of minutes because, I mean, I don't really care how in shape you are. they're playing an entire game without sitting on the bench, you probably have to be gassed.
0: Oh, for sure. Especially when, and you saw it with Missouri last night, they are daring somebody else to beat them. I mean, they doubled Tyree and wouldn't even bother, like, rotating out of that double. It's just, it was, you are not going to beat us. Somebody else better do it.
1: Yeah, and it's just, I, I mean, it's just kind of, the last two games has kind of been a clinic of what not to do in the last 90 seconds of a game. But and man, I imagine- Doesn't it go back to last year, too,
0: though? It's not like this is just a trend this year, right? I mean, they had a very similar issue a year ago.
1: Yeah, I, I don't disagree. But to me, last year, it was against Kentucky. It was against Tennessee. Right. And yeah, aside from Tyree missing free throws, it wasn't like I, I, to me, and maybe I'm wrong, and I probably need to go back and watch a couple of those games. But last year, it was more of like other teams kind of taking the game by the horns and just beating Ole Miss. In terms of this year, I felt like they've really just kind of peed down their leg more and really giving things away. And it wasn't all just, like, 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 last year there were some self-inflicted wounds. But, like, last year I didn't feel like they gave games away. Like, even Kentucky and Tennessee last year, yeah, Tyree missed the clutch free throws against Tennessee. But aside from that, Tennessee scored pretty much every trip down the floor of the last two minutes of the game. Kind of the same thing with Kentucky got stops. Like, Ole Miss is, like, bad fouls, slinging the ball out of bounds. Like, it just seems a lot more... Like it seems like a lot more of a cluster than it was a year ago. Like they're very, very unorganized.
0: Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Um, So how do you fix it? Or at this point, uh, okay, they are. They are at this point this season. But like, what is? Is there a glaring thing that you see at the end of games that is stopping them from making that? And we're going to keep using this word because it's funny to me now. Making the winning play at the ends of games, is there something that you see that would be like an immediate fix? Or is this like a, an issue that may linger for a while?
1: I mean, not, I mean, having a second backcourt score uh, would help a lot to where Tyree's like everyone in the gym knows who's, who's taking the shot. And it's not like last night when they needed the, uh, when they needed the three and granted, the game was already kind of over and they were scrambling like Tyree's taking it up the floor and you automatically know there's not going to be a pass. Cause one, there's not enough time. And two, you know, like the guy, who everyone knows is taking the shot, has the ball in his hand 75 feet away from the basket. So it was just kind of predictable watching him dribble yeah. up the court. He got kind of lucky that you see that guy. I can't. I don't know if that guy tripped or if Tyree just kind of shook him a little bit. But like, like if you don't have any other just remote threat to take a shot late in games, like, that makes it a hell of a lot easier. So, like, what do they look like next year with Jarkel Joiner and if Schuer comes back, whoever they have in the backcourt, like, well, they look different in that sense. And then honestly too, I mean aside from the late game, as much as you want to talk about how bad they were in the late game, they did allow Xavier Pinson to go for 32. Like that that's not very good. Yeah, uh, you so, can't
0: win many games doing that either. Um
1: yeah, so like they weren't great defensively either. They let that kid kind of torch him and it was interesting I mean, he did it on nine of 13 shooting and he was 10, 11 from the foul line. Like that's about as if somehow that kid's plus minus was negative four, which is why I don't totally buy into plus minus. Where are you he's getting going, that? Where, where in college basketball can I find the plus minus on the box score? Go to old miss.statbroadcast.com. Uh, oh, if you stat at, broadcast. Happened. Yeah. If, okay. If you go to the end game feed, but, uh, this is why I don't necessarily 100% buy into plus-minus, because this kid had 32 points in 27 minutes on 9-13 shooting, and somehow his plus-minus was minus-4. So I, that's why I, I take that with a grain of salt. Anyway, but aside from the late-game stuff, you did let a kid go for 32, but, I mean, elsewhere, I think it's – I mean, AK's teams, when you had the Marshall Henderson, the Stefan Moody, weren't always great in late-game situations because you knew exactly who was taking the shot. It was just a matter of how. So maybe they look different next year. Maybe the backcourt's constructed differently. I mean, I think it definitely will. Maybe that helps. But you also got to have it. I'm not talking about, like, intelligence, like whether they're smart or dumb kids. But at the end of the game, it's more cerebral dudes that are kind of smarter in late-game stuff. Because Buffin, bad foul, not always the smartest in late-game stuff. Kind of the same with Henson taking bad shots. Uh, Shuler was okay with it, I thought, for the most part last year. But he had the deal at Kentucky, like— not always the greatest, and that leads me to, I guess, the point that you were going to arrive at because you mentioned it to me before the uh, the show, and I didn't even necessarily notice this until I looked at the box score. Uh, Schuer had 1.07 from the field in 31 minutes. Uh, that's that's He did have four assists and made a couple of nice passes and a couple of nice plays late and didn't turn it over, but, man, you got to score more than a point. You're an all-SEC caliber guard. What is –
0: I'm asking you project a little bit, but I mean, he's a junior and he's an exceptionally talented basketball player. so how does how do games like this happen for for somebody as talented as as he has shown you that he can be?
1: I don't know. He seems reluctant to take the ball to the rim like Tyree, as as you've heard Kermit Davis talks about scores at all three levels. And Tyree, once he gets his shoulder angle past you and past his defender, it's over. You're going to foul the kid, or he's going to make the layup, or both, and he's going to score three points. To where Schuer doesn't seem, and I don't know what it is or why, but doesn't seem either comfortable or he doesn't have that explosion, but he can't shake a defender one-on-one and get that step on him early, and because he, he seems to t- change directions and try to turn guys a lot, and I don't know if that's part of it, but I've asked dudes that work on the staff or have worked on the past or text bracket or whatever to try to figure it out, and people don't really seem to have a concrete answer they're like i just don't know what's going on with him so i I think it's a mystery to a lot of people i don't have an exact answer to be completely honest i don't think a lot of people do
0: Hmm. it's a shame because he's extremely talented i i listened to um a jj reddick podcast i know going off into the nba weeds here but uh and it had he had zion on it and they asked him about his days in the aau and Zion said he and John ja Morant were on the same AAU team in South Carolina with Devontae Shuler. And he said, man, John and I were – we were role players because there's this guy at Ole Miss, uh, Devontae Shuler, who was a bucket every time. So it, Zion and John ja Morant were role players on a team where Devontae Shuler was the primary scorer. I know it was AAU, and it was years ago, but still. like You have the two best rookies in the NBA – talking openly about how Devontae Shuler was the driving force for their AAU team.
1: Yeah, in some ways, that's a testament to how kids develop. Because, and I don't necessarily mean that as knock at Shuler, but how I mean, John Morant, what he's doing right now, he's powering a bad team to the playoffs. And, and, and there's a, a reason nobody there. recruited him. Yeah, I was about to say he ends up at Murray State. And John Morant wasn't a one and done kid, if I'm not mistaken. John Morant was a sophomore, and do I have that right? He was at Murray State for two years, right? I believe you are correct. I will, uh, I'll double check for you here. Yeah, I'm almost positive that's correct. So, like, kids develop at different rates, but yeah, I actually listened to that. Yep, same podcast. two years at Murray State. Yeah, I listened to that same podcast. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of with you there. Like, I, I don't, I mean, like, it, it's weird how things happen that way, but it is. Uh, it is definitely uh, interesting. So I don't know. I don't know what's up with him, but I guess if you're looking at stuff for next year, like aside from the bad foul, Buffin had, thir- uh, what did Buffin have? 13 points, 4 10 shooting, 5 7 from the free throw line. Uh, Point Kenson wasn't great. I guess he was okay. Uh, Hadim C was good again, 14 and 7. With a, an assist and two turnovers, like the the guys that they needed early in the year to kind of be contributors and so they could I mean they are despite last night, Missouri's playing better basketball. Ole Miss played it's playing better than they were in January. They still suck at the end of games. Right. But like like if you're talking about kind of momentum in the next year, if you if C does come back and like you've got presumably Henson and Buffin are, like At least those guys are playing better and you're not still wondering where the hell they've gone in games. And I don't know what Tyree's going to do after this year. Or, excuse me, sure, I know what Tyree's going to do. He's out of eligibility. But, uh, you know, at least some of the pieces you have are playing better. But, I mean, at this point, like you said, they just kind of are what they are.
0: Uh, Sidebar here, Uh, I just love this headline. We'll get right back to basketball, I promise. Uh, Greg Robinson was arrested by Border Patrol with a large amount of marijuana trying to bring it back to the United States, the, uh, the Browns' offensive tackle. So,
1: <laughs> I don't understand that. You're an NFL that team player. team is unbelievable. <laughs> Why does an NFL player need to – like who was it that got uh, – it was D'Angelo Russell, wasn't it, that was in like the Louisville Airport traveling from somewhere It had just like weed and like a water bottle? Yeah, like you're an NFL player, like or NBA, NFL player, whatever. Like whatever city you can go to, you could. I mean, not speaking from experience or anything, because this sounds bad. But like you could, like, I imagine an NFL player could just snap their fingers and that would be like, like have whatever they want in about twenty minutes. Why are you smuggling it across the country border? It, seriously, like from Mexico? What are you doing? Yeah. Just pay so. He, so
0: apparently, he's made twenty nine million dollars in his career. Why don't you just pay somebody to do it?
1: Yeah, I, I don't... Or go I don't,
0: down to Cleveland State or something and like just knock on the door of the frat house and be like, Hey, guys, I need a little weed.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Can I, just, I get I don't, some? <laughs> yeah, I don't, under, I don't understand that. I mean, like... It may, maybe he got swindled into one of those dudes on the beach that tries to sell you stuff in seashells and was like, hey, you can't get this shit in America, so he's tries to bring it back. I don't know, but that seems like a very dumb thing to do.
0: It's uh, a, th- a federal charge of possession with intent to distribute, so... That's an insane amount of weed, apparently.
1: Yeah, I'm guessing that's a couple ounces or so. Like, I mean, that he's not like they didn't find that in like a jewelry bag or something. Like, he that's probably duffel baggish. But uh, (laughs) anyway, sorry, I just I had to bring that up because my God, what are you doing? No, I mean that's about all I had on basketball. Anyway, I don't really know what else to say with this group. They are what they are. They got a really dynamic score. They're spotty defensively at times, and they really stink at the end of games. Like, yeah, it's just 2020 it's, uh, Ole Miss basketball.
0: But it, it's kind of sad time. to see that Tyree's, it, like, incredible effort
1: nightly is kind of going to waste. Yeah, it does suck that his career is ending this way. I mean, if, if that's, like, the one bummer from this season, if you're Ole Miss, like, I, I'd, like – I don't really I don't I wouldn't say I feel bad for Tyree, but in the sense that like it, it like I, I could I could feel his frustration in the sense that he's putting up numbers every single night and it's just not really ever being rewarded. But I mean, I guess good on him for continuing to fill it up. Uh, he is probably going to make a hell of a player in Europe somewhere. I don't know about the NBA. He has too many defensive lapses, but I guess I wouldn't rule it out. I didn't. I thought Terrence Davis had a shot. Obviously, I'm not going to be the guy that says, yeah, I knew he'd be doing this for the Raptors. Uh, oh, hell no. Uh, Nobody did. <laughs> they if you're been... claiming you did, you are lying. Yeah. I mean, I figured like I, he was one of the few guys where I figured he had a sh- shot to stick in the NBA, but I didn't think it would happen the way it happened as soon as it happened because even good players in the NBA suck for a couple years. So, I don't know. Uh, that just kind of is what they are. Before we get into some baseball and some football recruiting stuff, because believe it or not, that is not over. But first, I want to remind you, the podcast brought to you by LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. If you happen to be listening to this and heading to the midweek game today, which is at 4 p.m., uh, go see Greg. Go let him uh, go buy some sausages, maybe a couple of steaks. Go throw it out on the grill in left to right field, wherever you're so inclined to sit, and enjoy a baseball game. I don't know what the weather's going to be like. I'm assuming if they're playing the game and it hasn't been canceled by now, the rain's gone. Uh, It's probably pretty chilly outside. I haven't been outside yet today. But anyway, go enjoy uh, some steaks, sausages, whatever you want. Uh, Go see Greg University Avenue across from Kroger. He feeds the baseball team. He can feed you while you watch the baseball team. He's got the best deals in town. It is the best place in Mississippi to get meat without a doubt. So go see Greg. I guess along those lines, that's a decent transition. Ole Miss plays a midweek game today against Alcorn State. Their game yesterday against Arkansas State was canceled due to weather because it has rained for I don't know 1100 straight days here. It feels like uh, it's just I can't kind believe of- they're getting baseball in today. I mean, I, I know it's
0: two and a half hours, so it's not exactly close. But I mean, starting tonight, we're going to get rain for the next 24 hours here in, in the Jackson area.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's, there's no guarantee they get it in. That just I mean, things hasn't been canceled yet uh Greer Halston starting for Ole Miss he was starting yesterday and I would, have, I would have been interested to see them play both games because in a five-game week I wondered who the, who else they were going to start I would bet on Drew McDaniel but I don't know that for a fact but anyway Greer Halston starting he was okay in relief uh on what that had to be Saturday for Ole Miss in their eight to six win over Louisville interesting story a guy who didn't pitch hardly at all last year Uh, Went through some dead arm. Uh, From what I understand, basically had the yips uh, and just kind of had to relearn how to throw and kind of pitch again, which is, I can't imagine, easy to do when that's something you've done your whole life and all of a sudden you just can't really do it anymore. But uh, back on the mound, he was throwing hard. I think he hit 90, uh, kind of sat right around 90 with the fastball, if I'm not mistaken. But I'll be interested to see what he looks like over an extended period of time and an extended outing. It was weird last year. It was like, yeah, you're not going to see him. He's red Like, there's no point. Like, you heard, you started hearing he was kind of building confidence back up and kind of, I guess, quote unquote, fixed by like April. And then it's like, yeah, you're not going to see him though. There's no point. Uh, he might as well red shirt at this point. And then all of a sudden, he gets stuck in like a nine to two game in the Governor's Cup in the eighth inning. I remember sitting next to Hey Dad at that game, and we had talked about it on radio that day. And they said Greer Holston, and Hey Dad was like, "I thought you said this kid has the yips," and I was like, well, "He does. Like, I don't know what's about to happen here." So he pitches. <laughs> he pitches. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "He does." Like, I don't. Like, I just kind of looked up and I was like, "Oh, Greer Holston's in the game." So um, it'll be interesting to see what he does in extended outing. I, to be honest, I really don't know what to expect, but uh, it is. I guess just from a human human standpoint, it's probably good to see just a guy not like permanently kind of be wrecked by something like that because I imagine most of that is mental as much as it is anything else. So he is back on the mound, and it'll be interesting to see how he performs. Alcorn State, not very good.
0: Yeah, it's. I've always wondered. I, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but why they schedule these games? Uh, I. I mean, they never. It, it seems to me like the team would further benefit from playing against each other and same thing on the other side as well I mean I guess there are some times where they're able to be competitive for a while but who was it last year that they scored 20 something runs on
1: do you remember I'm gonna bet it was pine Bluff, but I don't know I'm Yeah,
0: yeah that's that's probably right and I just when I watch those games I wonder there's no way either team is getting anything constructive out of this
1: no, other than monetary compensation, Mike probably So is that me out
0: what it think. is? So like Ole Miss is paying all corn for this game, it's a pay game?
1: Yeah. And so
0: Okay. Well uh, see, I, see, I didn't know baseball operated that way, just like football and basketball do.
1: I mean, I would imagine so, because that's the only inc- I guess I don't know that for hundred percent. In fact, but I'm pretty positive. Like that that would really be your only incentive. Throw on like sales.
0: fifteen thousand bucks or something and pay for their travel
1: and a little bit mm-hmm. extra. But also, to some degree, like, there's, you got to schedule somebody. Cause, like, you, like, in the sense that, like, there's, like, you got to fill up a 56 whatever game schedule. And, like, like there's a yeah. lot, lot more midweek games than you think. Like, it tends to add up. So, I, I mean, you got to schedule Definitely. Somebody. Cause it added, it added up against Ole Miss last year. Yeah. Uh, losing to North Alabama probably didn't help, but. Ooh, that was a fun day. Yeah. So, I don't know. Uh, I say I, I I misspoke. The Arkansas State game is not canceled. It is April twenty eighth now at six thirty. It is just postponed. Cancelled, I guess, would imply that they're not making it up. But anyway, Alcorn State. It'll be interesting to see kind of who they have out in the field. I think they still want to see some more guys like Ben Van Cleave. As well as he hit, didn't get a ton of abs this weekend. I imagine they still want to see some outfield combinations. Uh, maybe Plumlee gets a start here or there. I don't know. Uh, but they still got a lot of guys to play and a lot of things to figure out in the field. And these are the type of games, granted, inferior competition where you just kind of see some different lineups and see what they throw out there. So that's something to look out for. Aside from that, I don't really have a whole lot for you. Maybe you get a Knox game behind the plate because uh, this tends to happen later in the year. But Mike doesn't usually th- catch his starting catcher in the midweek to kind of rest his knees. But uh, early in the year, he might start Hayden Dunhurst because he has a grand total of three games under his belt. I'm just kind of trying to spitball things to watch for because, again, this is Arkansas State in the midweek in February. I don't have a whole lot else for you.
0: It's Alcorn State. Arkansas State was supposed to be yesterday.
1: Yeah. I, see, I can't even get the names right. <laughs> I, I flip it, it doesn't matter. Three I, times I know that sounds mean, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Alcorn State in Wednesday in the midweek in February. So, so That's Xavier uh,
0: this weekend, do you know anything about them at all other than the fact that they're from Ohio?
1: No, I really don't know much about Xavier. I know Cincinnati has had a pretty decent baseball program in the past. Cincinnati, I believe, upset Oregon State in a regional on Friday night last year uh, in Corvallis, uh, which I think it happened on like a walk-off home or Grand Slam or something like that. It was a very uh, dramatic ending. I remember that. So Cincinnati has a decent baseball program. Uh, I don't know much about Xavier. Let's see.
0: Xavier actually won a series at Memphis last weekend. They lost the Friday night game uh, six to one, and then won three to one and nine to six to win a series at Memphis.
1: Okay, not totally surprising. Memphis very, meh, uh in terms of mid- major D one baseball programs. So I guess that's When does a shy. series win though. Yeah, I mean that tells you they're confident. I guess if nothing else, it's interesting. The entire time I lived in Cincinnati, I never saw. Xavier's campus uh I saw Cincinnati because it's right next to the zoo and I went to the zoo twice uh but I never never Dude, saw Xavier I, I'm a big zoo guy like I I hear you on that one yeah I mean my girlfriend came and saw me once and she wanted to go and then of course I, as I've mentioned on this before I wanted to see where they popped that gorilla when the kid fell in the cage <laughs> and so I, I I went the first time and they I wanted to see like the exhibit and the and the <laughs> memorial and all that. So that that was the main reason I went. Uh, so ahead, uh, yeah. they they had a R. nice I. big Harambee Harambe bust. Yeah, uh, I don't know how that kid survived that fall. As I've mentioned before, it was like forty feet. It looked like I don't I don't really understand that. But uh, anyway, as far as knowing anything about Xavier, uh, not a ton. I mean, their lineup has four or five. Looks like. Freshmen or sophomores in it so relatively young team that they do have a couple seniors uh pitching staff fairly veteran two juniors and a sophomore uh you know i think they have a senior grad transfer uh closer no excuse me closer to freshman anyway i don't know somewhat veteran team i think they were picked like fourth fifth in what is that is that the big east uh i guess a that would be the Big East in baseball, right? These conferences still confuse the hell out of me. It's Seton Hall, Xavier, Creighton, St. John's, Georgetown's, Butler, Villanova. That has to be the Big East. That's not American. Uh, but the, you talk about you get into those basketball-only conferences in the terms of conference realignment, and when they, like when it's outside of football, it is so confusing.
0: Yeah, I don't. I try to follow it. I don't understand it. I mean, and speaking of conference realignment, Notre Dame just needs to join the ACC already. Just be done with it. Just do it. Although, if you're going to make four uh, mega conferences of 16, somebody has to go. Because it's 64 teams right now, but you have Notre Dame out there. So somebody would have to go. Mm. Or you go to 18 and add. Like UCF or something, and Boise
1: State. Yeah, I mean, if you're like, it never gets decided like performance based. But if you're talking like performance based here, you I mean you probably chopping Rutgers. Uh, does Boston College really bring anything to the table anymore in the in the ACC? I know they have a halfway decent football program. Like, I'm just talking to who you could just shoot into the abyss. Rutgers would be the easy choice, although they, uh, they're going to make the tournament in basketball this year. They do have a good basketball team. For whatever reason, I've watched a fair amount of Rutgers basketball games. I believe they own the nation's long—nation's longest winning streak at home this season. I, I don't think they've been beaten at home. Uh, they do have a good basketball team. Don't know anything about Rutgers baseball, and then you have Greg Schiano back running the football program. But, I wonder if they play baseball. They do play baseball, according to Google. Rutgers? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, schools that don't play baseball are random. It's like Wisconsin, SMU, like most schools play Why baseball. Why does SMU not play baseball? With their endowment and then also
0: being in Dallas, like you could be a good baseball program.
1: I wonder if that's a Title IX thing because it really be. doesn't make any sense. I mean, all the other programs around Dallas are good. TCU, DBU, uh, I'm trying to think if I'm missing someone else. Yeah, I, I don't understand that either, uh, so I don't know. Yeah, Rutgers plays baseball.
0: They have a – it looks like a nice little park. It is extremely little, as you would imagine. But,
1: you know, it's okay. Let's see. I was trying to pull up the Big East standings from a year ago. Xavier finished second in the league. They were 27-31 overall, but 12-4 in the conference. Looks like they had a couple games canceled. So, anyway, I guess halfway decent baseball program. I don't really know what else to expect from Xavier I wonder if they have cool uniforms, because the X is a pretty cool logo. Yeah. What's the weather going to
0: be like? I know Friday is going to be okay, for sure, because we will have a, a unique situation with the radio show. Um, but what about the rest of the weekend? Like, are they going to play
1: three games? I haven't looked at the uh, weather for this weekend. I'm about to look it up now. This is great podcasting as I try to spit you the That's weather. Uh, Friday, sunny and a high of 43, so you got a real scorcher there. Saturday, partly cloudy with a high of 52, so uh, bring your swim trunks. And then Sunday, it is scattered showers of a high of 50, so it looks like there's going to be rain creeping in. It uh, might be a uh, Saturday deal. Mike hates doubleheaders, so I don't know if there will be one. Uh, I imagine he'll probably just try to wait that out, and if you can take a canoe out to first base – on Sunday they'll try to play the thing. But aside from that, it looks like they'll probably get three games in this weekend, which is good because I the first two years I did this, I think if I'm not mistaken, I think the first year I did this in 15, they had seven doubleheaders uh throughout the conference or non-conference slate, which was just a disaster. It was bad weather here. So anyway, looks like they'll get three games this weekend in, but it looks like it will be very cold. So that is kind of your week in baseball. It was supposed to be a five-game week. It is now a four-game week. And what else do we have on the recruiting front? That's about all I've got for baseball. So hey, the God knows
0: about Zach Evans. Uh, I know I've been asked a, a little bit recently uh, just about what he's going to do, and uh, nobody knows. I, I have no idea. Mark Britt is supposed to sign tomorrow. He's a safety, a four-star safety from Miami. Uh, Down to Florida and Ole Miss, it certainly sounds like Ole Miss is a real shot, if not the uh, favorite, to get that signature tomorrow, uh, which would be a big deal. I mean, they need uh, defensive secondary help. I know they got a graduate transfer who will not be eligible this year, but that's an interesting angle, too. Maybe I need to make a note of that, and we can talk about it. If this one-time penalty-free transfer rule comes into effect – does that mean anybody that transferred this year is eligible to play? Because if this kid, I forget his name, but the Georgia transfer... Otis transferred, Reese. Otis Reese transfers from Georgia to Old Miss in the same year that they make transfers penalty-free, are they really going to make him sit out? So, you know, maybe he becomes immediately eligible because it sounds like they might try to get this done. I read something yesterday that said they're going to try to get the one-time penalty-free transfer thing done before the season begins, uh, like by August, potentially. So if you transferred this year, should you be eligible to play? I think so, but um, maybe that's a conversation for another date. Mark Britt, four-star safety, Miami, Florida, or Ole Miss tomorrow. It kind of feels like Ole Miss wouldn't trade their position with Florida right now, and that, that would be a big deal, big signing. Wait, Britt's a wide receiver, right? Brit is a safety. The wide receiver is, oh God, what's his name?
1: Oh, you're putting me on the spot. Um, uh, two, is four Britt, uh, Britt, uh, two four seven has Brit, uh, Brit two four seven as Brit as a wide receiver. Oh, rivals has him as a safety. That's quite interesting. Malachi Weidman, but that that's the kid that went to Tennessee. Anyway, but Ole Miss. There's in one in more our, though. There, there's three guys that are unsigned that Ole Miss is in on. I wonder what's – like, is Evan just going to show up on a dude's – like, I don't understand what's going to happen with that. I guess he's just going to show up on campus like Ricky Williams after he ran Africa for a while and just be like, hey, I'm ready to do this. Like, I don't understand.
0: I guess. I, I mean, and the thing is, if he keeps doing that, it's going to limit his options because people are going to move on. I, I just – I still maintain that – if Ole Miss doesn't sign him, um, nobody should be bothered by that. I mean, if I guess Lane and the coaches there think that they'll be able to manage it, but my God, if you can't get the kid to to sign when everybody else has found a way to sign, and if it, if it's this flaky, and if Tennessee coaches are showing up and he's running around town to avoid them, it just it doesn't feel like this is somebody that's going to handle not being a starter or a contributor for a while. Because as good as he is, I mean, are you really taking carries away from Ely? Are you really taking carries away from Snoop Connor, who's been, in this, who's been in college and obviously is a good back? And now you've got Paris also in the fold, who is a highly recruited kid. Like, what if he doesn't play for three years? Is he going to handle that well? Because the recruitment or just visiting a, a coaching staff was not handled well. I, I don't know I, this is a, a unique case I, I say that there's one of these almost every year in recruiting but I, if Ole Miss takes him will he be able to handle the fact that he's probably not playing for a while
1: yeah but again at the same time he is like I mean they've they've compared him to Adrian Peterson in in terms he's of that this, good, like,
0: then maybe he will play right away
1: yeah, exactly. So, like, if, if you can get him on campus, it seems like you've, you've got a shot to play immediately. Just a quick side note, I, I don't know what's going on with rivals, but the, as you're to your point, they have Mark Britt listed as a safety, but then the national rivals guy, when he committed to Florida, had a headline that says, four-star wide receiver, Mark Britt commits to Florida. So, I think the kid's going to play wide receiver. I think that's probably a rival screw-up, at least from his highlights. Yeah, no, it's his, his highlight tape
0: is him, at, so, at least
1: what I'm looking at, is him playing wide receiver. <laughs> I don't know. Between phonetic spelling and phonetic pronunciation and getting uh, the actual kid's position correctly, uh, that would be my one bone to pick with these recruiting sites because I get you have tweeners and stuff, but I don't really understand how that happens. It's like they had the uh, the DeMarcus Thomas kid. You couldn't figure out at Ole Miss if he was a tight end or a wide receiver. I get that's kind of the tweener position, but like there probably should be some uniform standard of what you are in the recruiting sites. Anyway, that's my complaint.
0: Yeah, and thing. so now I sounded like an idiot for saying that it would be a good pickup because they need help in the secondary. Yeah, <laughs> this is why we don't cover recruiting, because I, like, I I do not have the time nor the desire to like
1: call high school coaches or anything, and now I look like a dumbass. I mean, the only reason that I knew the kid was playing wide receiver is because I was t- texting a couple of recruiting dudes in the last two weeks and asking about Britt, and they were talking about kind of how he would like fit and stuff like that. Again, not going to pretend to have watched a ton of Mark Britt tape, just saying that would be a, a good pickup for Ole Miss, because it's it's as we kind of keep going back to they do have a like it's an interesting wide receiver room because other than elijah Moore no one's proven but you also as i've mentioned you know five six times on this podcast before like you don't really know what you have in demarcus gregory you don't really know what you have in don Dario drummond you don't really know what you have in miles battle you do know who you have to thank for that and that is mr rich rodriguez so you have all these dudes who didn't produce last year or in you know in battle, in Gregory's case, didn't really play, but you also don't really have any sort of gauge. I mean, I'm sure the coaching staff will, will add to some degree, but you don't really know what they are. and So I don't know how this kid will factor in, but I don't know whether to say Oh Miss it sucks at receiver or not because like last year was such a misnomer, like there's no way to really yeah. tell.
0: Yeah, and the, the spin after uh, those guys entered the portal was, oh, well, they're not that
1: productive anyway. Well, how could they have been? No like- one was outside of Moore. Right. It
0: just, man, sometimes that kind of stuff drives me insane. No, it just, like, how could you not see what was going on in front of your face? Just some people, not everybody. I mean, a lot of people in the media kind of got it. But just those folks that, oh, well, those guys are only transferring because they weren't productive. Again, how could they possibly have been productive? That's why they're transferring, because – They weren't afforded the opportunity to show what they could have done. Like if you just look at their stats on a stat sheet, then sure, yeah, they weren't worth a damn. But the offense wasn't worth a damn. And they didn't throw the football worth a damn. So uh, no wonder they're leaving. Uh, There was going to be not a mass exodus, but the way that they were going was going to lead to just a roster for the next coach because after 2020, there was going to be a change anyway uh, that would have made – Far less sense. And maybe you don't even go get a guy like Lane Kiffin anymore because the roster at least still like was able to salvage your coaching search. After next year with no quarterbacks and no wide receivers, and you sure as hell uh, aren't signing Henry Parrish. So, yeah, you've got a, a running back who plays baseball. Uh, you know, You're good at that position, but that's all you've got on this football team. Good luck hiring somebody like Kiffin to step in and think that they can win right away.
1: I just feel like we were robbed of the quarterback situation last year in terms of like, I wanted to see if Matt Luke was going to get a 2020, I wanted to see how badly they bungled the quarterback thing. And maybe that we, they wouldn't even have the opportunity have to choice. bungle it because, yeah. because, because of uh corral and Tisdale's impending transfer. But like, isn't that a pretty big indictment on them in terms of like, and this probably isn't an angle I've hit before, but like, Most of the time when kids in there to the transfer portal, like a coaching change, unless I'm mistaken, doesn't necessarily bring them back. So that would tell you it was so shitty there that like, these kids didn't actually want to leave Ole Miss. They just thought it was so incompetent they had to go. And then once you finally get a guy, because like –
0: Well, dude, you remember Grant Tisdale. I mean, Lane told the story at his press conference. Grant Tisdale had not met or spoken with Lane Kiffin. The first thing he said was, if you'll have me back, I want to stay.
1: Yeah, I mean, that just has to speaks towards the incompetence that was going on on the offensive side of the ball and how that all that was handled because he doesn't know Lane Kiffin. He could get a fresh start somewhere else with someone that recruited him and wants him and, like, knows he's part of the plan. But, like, neither one of them wanted to leave Ole Miss, and, like, I'm speaking about the wide receivers too, and then you get a new coaching staff and it's like, all right, actually, I'll, I'll, I don't want <laughs> to leave. Like, To me, that it, would just speak to the just utter just mismanagement of things.
0: Yeah, and then as a as a complete sidebar to this conversation, the the idea that the uh penalty free transfer thing is going to cause like college football to have some kind of free agency, I think that right there tells you that it's not. Because kids go to a school for a reason and then once they're there they get comfortable, they get friends, they get girlfriends, they get a house that they rent and they like where they are. And so just uprooting everything and going somewhere else is not in the cards unless it has to be in the cards. Guys just don't want to go transfer places. It's not going to create this level of free agency. You saw that example at Ole Miss. Guys were leaving because they felt like they had to. And when it was decided that the offense was going to be normal again, without even meeting the coach, having any idea of how he was going to use them, they were like, you know what, I, I want to stay. I like it here. There's a reason Grant Tisdale chose to go to Ole Miss, and then once he's there, he gets settled in and likes the place. So this idea that penalty-free transfers are just going to uproot everybody and roster management is going to be impossible, I don't buy that at all. Because once you get to a place and you're happy there, you don't want to leave. A.J. Brown, another example. I mean, A.J. Brown had every reason given to him, every single reason to leave, every single one. But he knew he was going to be the focal point in an offense, and he knew that he was a year away from going to the NFL, which is all they
1: really care about, anyway. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it just, uh, it's just I it's. I don't. I wonder. I will be interested to see the roster attrition though after your. I guess Kiffin kind of wades through this thing because, like. I guess kind of underscoring your point, I think it'll be a different kind. I think that you'll kind of have a clearer idea of who's in the picture in terms of contributing and who's not. as you're not just going to have two quarterbacks leaving pissed off because they were just kind of sold a bill of goods. Like I, like there will be roster attrition. That's kind of a natural part of it. But the the type of roster attrition Ole Miss was getting was because of incompetence on the coaching staff. Yes, like, sir. I mean, you. I, I'm not doing the Plumlee corral thing again but you sided with the quarterback that's a two-sport guy that couldn't throw anyway i'm not going down that road again it was mismanaged i don't think it, there's it, any it other absolutely way. was it's undeniable elsewhere i don't really know what else we have to get into today the uh baseball uh Jeff Passen, uh espn's baseball writer wrote an interesting column over the weekend entitled baseball is burning which i thought was a very just uh articulate and perfect summation of uh what's happening in major league baseball right now you pretty much just every single day have a new version of uh like one of the game stars who they can't get to speak uh and say anything interesting on a normal day just calling out the astros as absurd cheaters and that the title should be stripped and all that and aaron judge and blah 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 i don't really feel like getting into the weeds of this again but it is interesting just to see all of these dudes so outspoken you're kind of having like you're kind of having like a revolt, like like they're pissed off at the Astros and now the commissioner now because the commissioner has somehow positioned himself by not only not punishing the Astros hard enough, but Rob Manfred is now is the hardest stance he's taken on this is uh, the fact that he doesn't want to see any retaliation against the Astros. But I've never seen a sport where you have in a sport that significantly lacks drama have uh, have the players just openly and outspokenly go against one a team and two on top of that couple with it of, of the commissioner like yeah you've had roger goodell people got pissed off about at the anthem thing i don't think roger Goodell's necessarily the greatest at his job but i think commissioners is a wildly unpopular job and when you have it, social issues like that kind of filter into your product like there's no great way to handle it this is totally different you have like Like, the target that everyone's chunking arrows at is this baseball team that cheated, and also the commissioner's kind of been thrown in the line of fire, too. I've never seen anything like this.
0: I haven't either. Um, And the Goodell—see, I don't think Goodell handled the anthem protest that bad. I mean, what else could you ask him to do? Well, Um, people often
1: forget that the commissioner's job, and particularly Roger Goodell— is to protect the owner's best interest, which is never a popular position to be in. But I think there's a disconnect to where people don't actually see that's actually his job.
0: Yeah, and then handled uh, like the Ray Rice thing terribly. But by and large, the league is more valuable than it's ever been. And so if you want to talk about leadership being bad when the league is unpopular, well, the NFL is is making more money and the teams are more valuable uh, than it's ever been. So... Uh, there's there's not so much you can say there with the way Major League Baseball and again you're the you're a baseball guy I'm openly admitted that I'm not so I all of my view from the sport is of 30,000 feet which I think is an important angle for baseball because it's not like I don't want to watch or be a part they just don't give me as a non-fan of the sport generally speaking uh, a reason to watch and so, from 30,000 feet, I've seen their lockdown of all their cool stuff on social media. I know that seems superficial, but if I'm sitting here scrolling through Twitter as, like, my kid's getting a little bit older. This summer, when baseball's going on, it's either, like, I'll put some kind of Disney show or something on him. You know what I mean. And if I'm scrolling through Twitter to distract myself from the annoyance of a kid's TV show, I would like to see a baseball highlight or two. And when they blocked people from sharing the cool stuff that happens you never get to see the cool stuff that happens if you're like me so that off chance that i do have a few hours to watch the game it's little things like that that i think the nba and the nfl does so well if derrick henry does something awesome you see it everywhere right away and so maybe next time you see a titans game you think holy shit that derrick henry guy's awesome let me stop and try to watch this for a second same thing with baseball like Damn, Aaron Judge, he's that big, just hit a 475-foot home run. Next time the Yankees are on, maybe I want to stop and watch him hit. It sounds superficial, but blocking people from sharing the cool stuff about you on platforms that you don't have to pay for, I thought that, that just that right there is an example of leadership that doesn't get it. And then now when it comes to something more serious and real, and it's handled this way, the only presumption that I can make as someone seeing it from 30,000
1: feet, is baseball is terribly, terribly run. The next big ripple of this is in the next week or so, you're going to have the commissioner's report on whether what the Red Sox did and what they didn't do with regards to sign stealing because what's been interesting about this whole scandal is the guys that no longer have jobs and that are no longer in the picture have kind of been the ones that have been kind of taking the center of the blame, and that seems like a likely scapegoat or an easy scapegoat. Alex Cora, Carlos Beltran, was a player for the Astros uh, on that World Series team. Alex Cora, obviously an assistant coach. Not really much of the blame been thrown on Astro former Astros manager AJ Hinch. But like the guys that no longer have jobs and are out of the picture and can't really be in the public eye to defend themselves are like like it's basically kind of been thrown that Cora was the mastermind of all of this. And of course, he was the Red man, man, excuse me, I can't talk today. Red Sox manager. They of course win the World Series the next year. So it it it's been inter- it'll be interesting to see what comes out with that. I don't necessarily think that's going to be as big of a bombshell because you don't at least not that we know of have anyone on record like Mike Fires, the the ace pitcher who uh, kind of blew the whistle on this whole thing that was on the Astros 2017 team. You don't really have anyone that we know of on the record saying like talking and speaking and kind of outlining what happened and how it happens. I don't necessarily see it being a bombshell. But uh, at the same time, I mean, you do have another team under investigation for stealing signs illegally. So, what kind of wrinkle will that add to it? I uh, I don't really know, but it'll be interesting to find out. I am just enjoying kind of seeing everyone speak out because it does make it more interesting. And the draw, like, it's very NBA-ish with how these dudes are speaking out and calling them cheaters and saying they didn't earn the title. I mean, how you talk about the NBA? LeBron James weighed in on it yesterday, and I gave one of the longest hashtags I've ever seen on social media. LeBron's tweet was. (laughs) Hold on. I'm about to listen. I know I don't play baseball, but I am in sports capital S in sports. I don't really get why dudes do that. And I know if someone cheated me out of winning a title and I found out about it, I would be effing irate. I mean, like uncontrollable about what I would slash could do. Listen here, baseball commissioner LeBron. uh, Give me a comma or two. Uh, Your players speaking today about how disgusted, mad, hurt, broken, etc., etc., about this. Literally, the ball, and then just in case we didn't know what ball he was talking about, he put a baseball emoji in parentheses, is in your court, (laughs) or should I say field, and you need to (laughs) fix this for the sake of capital S sports. Then the hashtag is, just my thoughts coming from a sports junkie, regardless my own sport I play. That's the longest hashtag I've ever seen on anything, but that... You even have LeBron James weighing in on this. I think this is hilarious in terms of, like, baseball only wants, quote-unquote, good publicity. I think that's why they're falling behind. I think this is going to end up being good for them, them having a villain card. But uh, it's interesting just seeing how widely this is reached, and there just continues to be a new wrinkle each and every day. When you have Nick Marcakis saying that he would like to give all of his players a beating, whatever the hell that means, I am thoroughly enjoying this, and I don't think it's going to get any better anytime soon.
0: Oh, man. Yeah, you're not kidding. Um, what what can Manford do at this point? Oh, by the way, LeBron James, uh, stronger stance on baseball than he is in saying that capitalism
1: is – or excuse me, that um, freedom is good, not capitalism. Well, yeah, the China thing affected his bottom line. This one's not affecting his bottom line. I mean you can, you can see the force for the trees there. Of like- course.
0: But what does Manford do at this point what what can you do to
1: salvage this? Is it possible? well I mean, I don't think you can go back and punish him at this point. The reason they didn't is because it's going to get the players association involved and you're going to file grievances and it's just going to be a big like a bunch of individual messes and fires and fights, whatever analogy you want to use uh, in terms of suspending the guys that were involved and I get why they didn't do it. I just think in my opinion that when he thought when he thought this was going to happen, he didn't think this was that big of a deal. He thought he would just ask the manager, the general manager, and then it would be kind of done with, and people would be okay with that. And, of course, that just has not, has not been the case at all. So I, I, I just don't think he knew the severity of this, and that's, I'm not making excuses for him. He should know the severity of this. He's an idiot for not knowing it. And then now every time he opens his mouth to try to rectify the crap punishment he doled out, he only sounds even dumber He devalued the World Series Championship Trophy, you know, the one they play 190 something games to try to win as a piece of metal. Like he just, he he should probably just kind of let this burn out because I do think there's going to be a period of this to where if he just stops talking and he just and lets everyone air out their grievances and kind of just does Dana White UFC style, just let everyone play up how pissed off they are. Once you get into the season, people are going to forget about this in terms of him and how badly he handled it. And it's going to just turn into this Astros 2020 villain tour, which is actually going to be quite fascinating. So I think at this point, if he just shuts up, like for him, this will pass. The story's not going away, but it'll turn into more intrigue than it is like, hey, this commissioner stinks.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I just can't wait to watch the, the toxic atmospheres that they're going to play in. I, see, I forget who it was. Um, said recently that they don't think that this scandal is going to cause people to watch the Astros. And maybe I'm just a unique person, but, yeah, I'm going to watch more baseball games because of this. Whenever the Astros are playing, I'm going to want to turn it on to see how people are treating them when they're on the road.
1: Absolutely. I want to see it, and I want to hear it. Yeah, I can't remember or not if Sunday night baseball is a flexed thing, but, like, they, they should put as many Astros games on Sunday, Wednesday, all Tuesday. the
0: Astros games.
1: Yeah, like you should put as many national broadcasts on the Astros as possible because, I mean, it's going to be fascinating. So I definitely want to watch it. So I don't let's know. It's their an interesting- first road series.
0: Um, God, Major League Baseball's website is atrocious. I can't stand it. All right, let's see. Their first road series is uh, not in February as the, the schedule wants to. When is opening day?
1: Uh, it's a March opening day this year. I think it's like March 27th, something like that. Here, I got the Astros schedule put up. Hold on. Astros home opener. So they're, they're in all. Oh, this sucks.
0: They're in Oakland for their first road series.
1: Yes, yeah, so that's a West Coast. Oh, that's lame. How they might flex that into national television. That would be kind of interesting, though. Well, it, the, the, the intrigue you have there is Mike Fires pitches for the uh, Oakland A's.
0: Yeah, but will the crowd do anything? I mean, they can't even get their games on radio anymore. Can you believe that? The Oakland A's could not get a radio partner. Baseball on radio is so easy. And if you're one of those people that thinks that nobody listens to games on radio, that's, that's just objectively false. Um, they do. And everybody has a radio partner still for a reason. And the, the A's just can't get one.
1: I will say the A's fill up that stadium when they're good, and they're expected to be good again this year. They just that the the stadium is terrible. Like even when it's full, it never looks like it's full because it's you know it's a crappy football stadium. I mean, you just had an NFL team leave there because the facilities are so crappy, and it was designed for football. And now 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 you have a major league baseball team. They need a new stadium bad. The worst venue I've ever been in, aside
0: from Legion Field.
1: Yeah. I mean I've never oh, so you've been to it. I've
0: never I've been there. It's it's an absolute dump. I mean, just you cannot believe that it's a professional sports well, two at the time, uh professional sports franchises use that for their home stadium. I was shocked at how just awful it was. And then Legion Field is just the worst because it's gonna fall over any day.
1: Houston does play a lot on the road early. They have a four gamer with uh Los Angeles the Angels to open up their season, and then they play three on the road at Oakland and then they play uh, at the Angels again too, with the Mets and at the Rangers and at the Rays, so they do spend the a better part of a month on the road. So I mean the better part of the first month of their season on the road. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to follow. I, at this point, I imagine everyone's just ready for the season to get here. Involved. You know, people
0: this. are going to be banging on their seats too. Like right before the Astros see a pitch, they'll just they're just going to go <laughs> on their seats behind home plate.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, how they may let them bring like not probably not trash cans, but like some kind of smaller thing in. I I'm interested to see the creative ways they get heckled. But anyway, that's kind of all we've got for today, unless I missed anything else. We'll be back at it for Mailback Friday. I'm sure we'll have a bunch to discuss. Ole Miss presumably going to get in a baseball game today. Weekend series this weekend. Uh, basketball has a home game this weekend. So we got a lot to get to. Send me your questions, tweet me your questions, tweet Borky your questions, however you want to get them in. Send it to us for mail back Friday. We appreciate it. Uh, you can drive the show. I would remind you one more time go to uh, University Avenue across from Kroger. Go see Greg at LB's. If you're going to the baseball park today at all this weekend, go see him. He feeds the baseball team. He can help you. I mean, he can help feed you while you watch the baseball team. He's got steaks, custom cuts. They've got daily specials. He's still got the Keith Carter special going on: six ounce bacon wrap fillet, Lane Kiffin special, eight ounce bacon wrap fillet. He's got the Swayze sausage, all kinds of stuff going on. He's got game packs. Go see Greg, University Avenue, across from Kroger, the best place in Mississippi to get meat. Borky, we will see. Uh, I'll see you this afternoon, obviously, but we'll be back at it all on Friday.
0: A Super Talk Mississippi yeah. media production.